Good morning, everybody. So straight in today with some studies that are of interest to many of you. Um, examining associations between protein intake and IBD. So the incidence of inflammatory bowel diseases, IBD, such as Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis, has been on the rise, prompting researchers to examine environmental factors that could contribute to increased risk of disease. Previous reports have indicate, indicated a possible link between protein intake and IBD risk, but another meta-analysis of IBD risk factors found that protein's association with IBD risk was relatively weak. This study further explored the associations between protein intake and IBD risk by examining total protein intake and the consumption of specific proteins in a large cohort of participants from 10 European countries. Okay, So in the cohort study, Diet information from 413,000 participants in the European Perspective Investigation into Cancer Nutrition study was collected via Food Frequency Questionnaire. The analysis um, assessed the associations between one total protein intake and the consumption of protein from specific sources, animal or vegetable, and, and two, IBD risk. So the results were, after 16-year follow-up period, 117 of the participants developed CD and 418 developed UC. These were, there were no associations between food sources or types of protein and CD. There were also no associations between consumption of total animal or vegetable protein and UC risk. However, total meat and red meat consumption were both associated with a 40 to 60% increase in UC risk. Ultra, 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 I can't even say the word. Ultrasative colitis. <laughs> there were no associations between other specific animal protein sources such as processed meat, fish, self shellfish, eggs or poultry, and UC risk. The authors suggest that due to the association between UC risk and meat consumption, their results support diet counselling for people at high risk of IBD. That's interesting, right? So there has been a thing like high protein's bad, but it's not so much the protein, it's the specific protein it seems, and it's the red meat, total meat and red meat. So, you know, red meat in itself has always been uh, suggested to be eaten in moderation, hasn't it? It's not something you should eat every day that this has been quite like, this is known knowledge, right? Red meat's minimal. So if you are at risk or you've got Crohn's, or well, like this, whatever, it might be worth um, bringing a study up to the specialist you speak to, maybe reducing your meat intake um, while still trying to get protein in, but, you know, in other methods that could be of use or trial and at least the next study uh, staying on point the Mediterranean diet for children with IBD so inflammatory bowel disease so background is several studies have reported beneficial effects of a Mediterranean diet on inflammatory bowel disease for adults but studies in children and adolescents are lacking the study in this 12-week randomized control trial 100 children and adolescents aged 12 to 18 who had Crohn's disease or UC with mid to moderate disease activity consumed either a Mediterranean diet or the regular diet whilst receiving treatment for IBD. The main outcomes were clinical disease scores measured with the Pediatric Crohn's Disease Activity Index, PCDAI, and the Pediatric Ultravit Colitis Activity Index, PUCAI, and several biomarkers of inflammation. Here are the results. 
Most of the participants achieved clinical remission of IBD symptoms by the end of the study, so 46 in the Mediterranean group versus 39 in the control group. A Mediterranean diet was more effective than a regular diet for improving clinical scores and slumming some inflammatory markers. Um, so reactive protein tumor, necrosis factor alpha, like you don't need to know that. So both of them with the right treatment helped. So, you know, 46 versus 39, right? Um, a slight improvement of the Mediterranean diet. As we know, the Mediterranean diet, you know, this good fats, a lot of veggies, you know, not loads and loads of meat, but, uh, you know, they still eat meat. That diet is always a good choice. Like if you want to, the advice with turtle, if you want to lose fat, you don't have to fight food and eat, hey, don't eat the food you love. But as time goes on and we see and we, we have compassion for our bodies and love for our bodies and all this stuff, we go, you know what, I've lost the weight now. Food isn't a problem for me, but I genuinely want to eat a higher quality diet. And when you genuinely want to eat a higher quality diet because you actually want to, not because you think you have to lose weight, that changes the game completely. And that's why that's the route to go down. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, interesting to studies there. Um, there's another one I'm going to share with you. Let me get the notes up about it. Okay, here we go. Um, does skipping breakfast increase cardiovascular disease mortality in individuals with MAFLD? So, metabolic dysfunctional associated fatty liver disease, formerly known as non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, increase the risk for cardiovascular disease and mortality morbidity and mortality so calorie restriction is recommended for the treatment of this non-alcoholic fatty liver but when how but when and how this calorie restriction should be achieved remains unclear skipping breakfast is one strategy used to reduce daily calorie intake yet several studies have associated breakfast skipping with the greater risk of obesity type 2 diabetes and cardiovascular disease knowing how different patterns of breakfast consume influence health outcomes in individuals with um, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is important. The study, like look at the study, average age 42, 10,000 people. The participants' breakfast consumed was assessed using response to the question, how often do you eat breakfast? Um, the results in the entire cohort, bre breakfast skipping was associated with nearly two times greater risk of cardiovascular mortality. However, when the participants were separated by... Um, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease breakfast skipping was associated with cardiovascular mortality only in that group okay so compared to participants with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease who ate breakfast every day those who never ate breakfast are at a 2.8 times the risk of cardiovascular mortality 5.5 times the risk of cerebrovascular mortality and 2.2 times the risk for heart disease mortality these associations were independent of total daily calorie intake. So if you don't have low, if you don't have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, there was no association, no problem. But if you do have it, it is likely that you need to eat breakfast. From this study, it's clear you need to go and still eat breakfast, get a good quality breakfast. Limitation of this study is that breakfast consumption was assessed using a single response to a 24-hour dietary recall questionnaire, which may not fully capture the participants' usually dietary habits. Um, three interesting studies there. What do we learn from three of them? Well, very, very, they were very specific studies. Um, but obviously, Louise Gore, you see more people have got it. Um, there, needs to be a, there needs to be a chat about it. There needs to be more discussion about it, for sure. 
Um, it tends to impact women more than men. Um, so hopefully that study was useful. And we've spoken to people on Turtle Method who have got um, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease as well. And hopefully that's useful. Like if you're skipping breakfast, maybe it's time to not skip breakfast. Like Dr. Id said in his Q&A as well, like making sure you eat your calories earlier in the day is better than later. For health reasons, is it independent from fat loss goals? They're different things, right? So maybe it's time to bring that breakfast back in. Um, if you have got non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, um, which again, yo-yo dieting is seen to be in association with that as well. So if you yo-yo diet, you are at risk, higher risk of uh, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, right? So it, it all intertwines, you know, completely. So hopefully that was useful. Basically, the crux is if we break it down, eat. If you haven't got any problems and you're trying to lose weight, you can eat your calories whenever you want. If you have got problems like non-alcoholic fatty liver, you see and all this stuff, then you have to be more specific with your eating. You actually have to look at these things. Uh, unfortunately, it's the 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 um, yeah, kind of freedom is less because these symptoms are there, right? And there's another study as well, but before I finish, on uh, fiber and um, UC as well. So evidence suggests that fiber supplements may help in the management of UC and autoimmune inflammatory bowel disease. However, the role of non-supplementary dietary fiber, i.e. fiber through your food, is less clear. Um, the cross-sectional study examined the association between the amount of non-supplement fiber in the regular diet and ongoing disease activity in 40 Mexican adults with UC uh, divided into two groups. They were met the recommended fiber intake of 14 grams per thousand. And if you look at your macro app, turtle macro app, that's what we do for you as well. Um, fiber intake on that. Uh, the researchers assessed dietary intake using a questionnaire. La la la. Okay, results. Consuming 14 grams of dietary fiber per thousand calories was associated with lower odds of ongoing overall disease activity, specifically bio, uh, biochemical activity. Moreover, the researchers detected an inverse association between dietary fiber intake and the number of disease relapses within the previous year, which means a greater intake of dietary fiber was linked to a smaller number of relapses. Okay, small study, but again, fiber is important. That's why we track macros. Fiber is tracked under the carbs umbrella. So get your fiber in. Let's go through this again now. Get your fiber in. <laughs> right eat more like a mediterranean diet if possible you know we got those mediterranean chicken recipe you can go with which i love is the those veggies and the chicken amazing and olive oil don't cook with olive oil put it on cold like they do over there which makes sure the fat is intact um also eat your favorite foods of course and balancing it all out but we eat for health we eat to get you know we eat for health and then there's another independent where Losing fat improves our health as well. You lose five, ten percent of your body weight, your health improves. And then we need to look at over time improving the quality of our diet. But hopefully those studies were interesting. If you know anyone with UC or stuff like that, then you know maybe send them the link to this to have a listen. But I will link the studies out if people do want to uh, have a read of them. But have a good day. Basically, it's a Monday. It's time to go again. We're 24 hours ahead of us. Well, one day, whatever it is. What time you wake up, depends on it. So, can't be complaining. Can't be victims. We've got to go on. We've got to go on with our days today. We've got to, we've got to do the next task. We've got to make it a positive next task and build momentum today. Otherwise, we're going to go backwards. So, build momentum. Enjoy. Like, have fun with the day, you know. Have fun tracking. 
It is quite fun. I tracked. I went to the cinema, right? On um, let me get it up. So on Saturday I went to cinema, but before that I had a few pints, and then I I went to Wagamama, um, and then I went to the cinema to bag of Maltesers, right? Let me just there. Let me just show you the crazy. Okay, so I had two and a half pints. Okay, yeah, the third pint was horrible. That's five hundred eighty-seven calories. I had the I had the Maltesers bag, seven hundred calories, and then I had the chicken katsu curry, which was one thousand one hundred forty-nine calories. So, in that I had one thousand eight, two thousand three hundred calories, and then I had a Korean barbecue beef. I had the beef buns as well, two hundred sixty two thousand six hundred calories, and then the gyozas. I had two hundred seventy-five, two thousand seven hundred fifty calories. So, my one meal out and some drinks equaled 2,700 calories. Uh, I'm, I'm sad about it. I'm just like, wow. Just wow, isn't it? Fair play. Fair play. You really, It really is easy to to consume a, a lot of calories. So hopefully the calories and menus are helping you realise this as well, guys. But uh, enjoy your day. See you on the radio. The next challenge starts week today. Share the, share the love. Get it out there for people to do. They get three-week access to the app. Loads of experts daily 15 minute workouts for energy gen generation and we will flip everything on his head so enjoy your day speak to you soon